In this episode of Desert Island Torah, we have Zachut speaking to Rabbi Dr. Svi Gramit. He is a master Bible teacher who lectures widely across the English-speaking world. Having earned his rabbinic ordination and education degree at Yeshiva University, Rabbi Gromit dedicated the first 18 years of his career to teaching Torah and leading educational institutions in the U.S. Today, he teaches at Yeshivat Eretz Hatzvi, the Pardes Institute, and the Hebrew College in Boston. He is also a senior staff member at the Lukstein Center for Jewish Education, where he is editor of Jewish Educational Leadership and generates initiatives to help advance Jewish education on four continents. Thank you so much, Rav Svi Gramit, for joining us today. It's a real zuchut to have you with us. Thank you. Great to be here. So it's Desert Island Torah, three pieces of Torah that you take to a desert island, what do they mean to you, why they're so important to you. Really looking forward to jumping in and finding out your three pieces and learning with you. So if we jump right in, should we go with your first piece? Sure. So, I mean, truth is, I, I, I thought about the, even the title of uh, of this podcast, and I was thinking about Desert Island Torah, and my first reaction was that Torah isn't really meant for desert islands. Torah is meant to be lived with people. Um, and a person by by him or herself in a desert island is uh, is missing out on on probably most of the important stuff in the Torah. Um, so it, it, that was that was my my initial reaction. Uh, after that, I sat down to think, and I said, "How am I going to limit this to three? Because there are just so many, so many things that um, that that are like so essential." Uh, so I'm going to start with my first one, and uh, the first thing that I would take with me is Sefer Brishit. Um, ask why? So. Sefer Breshit, I think, um, carries with it all of the core, um, the really core issues that should be occupying us as humans and as Jews. That, that It has it all. It has people, it has relationships between individuals, it has families, it has families that work and families that don't work. Um, it has uh, neighbors it, all, all the things that occupy us um, as people on a day-to-day basis. It also has God and creation. And uh, and it really is about the relationship between God and people. It opens up questions like, why did God create people in the first place? Or why did God create the universe in the first place? It doesn't necessarily give you the answers, but it at least opens the questions. Um, th- these are things that, as, as an aside... I've been teaching Sefer Breshit for at least 25 years. Um, I teach it you know, pretty intensely every year. At least for the last 18 years, I've been teaching Sefer Breshit. Um, in-depth learning, I finish it every every second year. Um, I never cease to be amazed at what new things I discover. Like every single time I teach it, I learn new things. So it, it for me is an incredible an incredible book, and it carries with it uh, the essence of what it means to be a human, what it means to be in, in a human in relation to other people, what does it mean to be a human in relationship with God, um, and what does God want from us? It it is it's got it all, and 
I, I happen, uh, I'll, I'll tell you a story. A number of years ago, and this goes back a very long time. I'm not going to say how many years, 30 plus years. Um, I was asked by a local shul to uh, to teach a series on Sefer Breshit. That was before my my, my long lifelong passion with it, you know, was uh, was fully developed yet. Uh, and uh, I said, okay, you know, they wanted me to teach an adult education series. Um, and then, you know, the second line of the conversation was, oh, and by the way, we want you to start with Lech Lecha. So I said, that's interesting. Why would you want to start with Lech Lecha? Because that's the story of the Jewish people. That's where it starts. I said, you don't want the context in which the story of the Jewish people starts? I mean, God thought it was important to put in Breshit and Noach. I said, that's the context. Without that context, the Jewish people, Lech Lecha means nothing. Jewish people have zero value if it's not in context to the rest of humanity. And Breshit and Noach tell us that God cares about all of humanity. He wants, he wants to have a relationship with all of humanity. And it's our role as the Jewish people to, to help foster that relationship. Um, you know, to be the, the Shad Chanim, if you want to put it that way, or the way the Torah later on says it, to be the Kohanim. All of Am Yisrael are Kohanim. Mamlechet Kohanim v'goy Kadosh. All of Am Yisrael are Kohanim. Who are we Kohanim to? And Kohanim bridge between people and God. So which other people are, are is Am Yisrael Kohanim to? So obviously, God chose the Jewish people so that we should be the Kohanim for, to bridge between the rest of the world and Hashem. So when they insisted that I teach Tarek from Lech Lecha, I said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I, I know you want you want to you know to highlight the uh the uniqueness of uh, Am Yisrael and that, that that's really, really great. But if you want me to teach, I have to teach it in the context. The context is is Rashid Noah. It's creation. Why did Hashem create a world? Why did Hashem create people? What has gone one out of people? Um and uh, and and what makes people so so interesting and so special? So, you know, obviously, when when you when you hear this, and and Breshit is my first my my, my first text, of, my first go to, you understand why I can't imagine what it means to have Torah on a desert island. I'm by myself, so the the core the core of 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 the Torah, the way I understand it, is. Our relationship not only with mitzvot, my relationship with spirituality, my personal relationship with Hashem, right? So those things are are nice and they're important, but Hashem has a mission for for us in this world. And if there are no other people on this island, then it's hard to really relate to what this mission is. It's sort of like in a holding pattern until you can get back to to you know the rest of uh of what the mission really needs to be so that's my that's my first uh my first text can agree more uh, it's also one of my favorites i think i when you said about lechacha i was like wait that's crazy you can't do that because i think creation is is essential man is charged to fill the earth and subdue it um and i think that's essential to who we are really um, I think why I love it so much is through the Lonely Man of Faith, through Rav Soloveitchik. Um, I think that's where I gained my love of the book. 
um, through the way he presents it. And it made me understand it better through the way you were describing it. Um, and it's about how who we are as human beings. It's about us with relationships, our, our relationship with this world. Um, and yeah, it's, it's an amazing book. And I also connect to it very much. That's my that's my first text. Um, and, and again, uh, there is so much depth. I could, I could sit with that book probably for another 30 years and uh, and it still only scratched the surface. I, I keep seeing new things all the time. And uh, I, I would just put in as an, as an aside that um, that without my students, I would be nowhere. You know, the, the, the text stands and the text is powerful and beautiful and deep. Um, but without without other people to learn with, um, it to, to learn with and not just to learn with, but to make it real, to make it belong in this world. Um, without other people, I, I would be nowhere. It was my students and their insights and their questions and our discussions. Um, I I am eternally indebted to uh, to what I have learned either from them or learned from being with them and 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 the process. I mean, my students say, do you know what you're going to teach before you actually start teaching? And I say, sort of. <laughs> it, it all depends on you. So uh, so I, I, I need to put that out there. And, that, and that's part of the Desert Island piece that, that I struggle with. Second text also comes from Tanakh. It's not an entire book. It's a single pasuk. Um, and a uh, single verse, and uh, I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read it here for a second. It's from the book of Micha. Happens to be from, you know, the Haftorah from my Bar Mitzvah parsha. But that that just as an aside, um, it's the uh, it's the last pasuk in the Haftorah for Parashat Balak, Micha Perek Hey, um, pasuk Chet, and I'm just gonna uh, I'm just gonna read it in Hebrew and do a. Uh, a loose translation. So I'm going to tell you, O oh person, what's good, O oh human. I'm going to tell you what's good and what God wants from you. Right? That, that, that's a nice opening. What does God want from me? And, you know, the Gemara likes this pasuk because the Gemara says, you know, there are 613 mitzvot, but Micha found the three most important. Right? Got it down. Um, and there are three things to do justice and to love chesed, the kindness that we do to other people and to walk modestly with God and, and there's just this for me just sounds like the recipe for what it means to live life as a fully engaged Jew. Right? And, uh, you know, if people don't like that I say it because it's not from enough, it's Micha, it's a prophet. You know, it's, <laughs> and, and and he's in the Tanakh, he made it. Right? Uh, so, Asot Mishpat, justice. Um, so, you know, th- this, this comes across not only when you're learning the Chumash, it comes across in the rest, all throughout the rest of Tanakh. Um, take, for example, the book of Tehillim. There's a, there's a pair of words uh, that come up, comes up 
I don't know how many dozens of times in Tehillim. It is one of one of the pairs of words that comes up probably most frequently if you had your top five list of pairs of words. It's Mishpat and Staka. And in Barisha as well. Right? It, it, it's why Hashem chose Avraham. You can see there's a theme in one, you know, the text that I chose over here, right? That's why Hashem chose Avraham. Tzedakah um, Mishpat is all over Tehillim. Um, if you look at, I'm learning now with my students, we're learning Sefer Shmuel, and you take a look at what was one of the first things that David HaMelech did in establishing his kingdom once he was once Shaul is out of the picture and he's not running anymore, and once Am Yisrael is unified, one of the first things he does, he moves the capital, moves to Yerushalayim, and he sets up a justice system. One of the first things he does. If you're not going to establish a justice system, if you're not, not going to have a justice system that provides equal justice for everybody, the poor, the rich, the powerful, the weak, everybody, um, then then what's the purpose of having a king? What's the purpose of having a kingdom? What's the purpose of having a nation? The nation is not going to not going to exemplify what justice is. We're not going to be the model for the rest of the world of what justice is. And and what justice doesn't mean that I'm right and you're wrong. Justice means I accept it even when I'm wrong. I accept it. I, I it's just it's the right thing. Sefer Shoftim. What's Sefer Shoftim all about? Certainly, the end of Sefer Shoftim, when uh, when you know we hear twice the same phrase, Ish Hayashar Yasa. So you know when people read that, they say, "Okay, everybody does what they want." I don't think that's what Ish Hayashar Yasa means. I think Ish Hayashar Yasa means that when I and, and and you look at the stories there at Sefer Shoftim, you'll see you'll see why I say this. It means that I do something. If somebody else were to do it to me, I would cry foul. I would say, you're not allowed to do that. But when I do exactly the same thing, I say, of course I can do it. It's hayashar ve'inav. But what's good for me is right. It's sort of like morality, the way a two-year-old would define it. If it's good for me, then it's right. If it's bad for me, then it's wrong. Right, you, you take free child psychologists like Piaget and others. You'll see that that is how, um, or that, that is how really, really little kids define define morality. Uh, that's the end of Sefer Shoftim. So when um, when uh, Micha steals from his mother, that's okay. When other people steal from him, he cries foul. When uh, when the people of of um, Giv'ah in Binyamin do a mass rape on a Pilegesh, the whole country cries foul. And how do they fix it? They say, okay, why don't you go grab our women at, at the end? Meaning it, 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 it's a warped, a completely warped sense of justice. Right? And and that that is a terrible situation. That's a situation that needs to be rectified in Sefer Shmuel. So Micha opens with Asot Mishpat, right? Justice has to be, doesn't make a difference if you're the king, you're the prime minister, if you're whatever it is, you're, you have to abide by the same rules, the same rules apply to you as apply to everybody else. If you're rich and you own half of the world, doesn't make a difference, the rules apply to you the same way they apply, apply to a poor person. Um, that, that's, that's Mishpat. And if you have a country that doesn't have 
a a respectable system of justice, then the country loses its right to exist. Its primary purpose is to is to make people's lives okay before you can begin to fulfill a mission. Right? People have missions, and right before you can fulfill fulfill a mission, you first have to have a place where people can live and and be treated properly. That's that's the that's the like the foundation. So that, that's Micha's first mitzvah. His second mitzvah is Ahabat Chesed. Ahabat Chesed means not only you do good things for other people or because of expectations or because you think that it'll uh, it'll make you look good. It's because you really, really like doing good things for other people. Right? So if you talk about Asot Mishpat, we're talking about what I would call a mitzvah, Ben Adam Lachaviro. Asot Ahabat Chesed, I don't call an interpersonal mitzvah because it's not doing chesed, it's loving chesed. Loving chesed is who you are as a person. Justice is about living together with other people. Ahavat chesed, and chesed is about being doing nice things for other people. But ahavat chesed, the love of chesed, the love of chesed is a personal characteristic. That's what I call ben adam la'atzmo. What kind of person are you? Are you are you the person who loves chesed? You love to do good things for other people? Or you do it because you have to, because of external things, because there are social expectations, because, you know, so that, that's the second one. Okay, so we have, we have bin Adam Chaviro, the interpersonal mitzvot, asot mishpat, the justice. We have ahavat chesed, the love of chesed. And then the last one we have, really, I think, should define the nature of our relationship with God. But right. um, And a couple of things to say over here. First of all, the word Hatznea. I think this is the only place in Tanakh that the word Tzni'ut appears. That that root appears. I, I, I can check that easily, but I think it's the only place in Tanakh. It has nothing to do with what we wear. It has to do with the way, the way we conduct ourselves. Now, I'm not saying that later on you know, it didn't take on all sorts of connotations. But at the core, tzni'ut is about the way we carry ourselves. Um, and it's the way we carry ourselves vis-a-vis God. Um, not to be arrogant with God. To always keep in mind, no matter how good I am, I'm good to other people, that's amazing. I'm good. I'm good within myself. Don't feel so great about being good within yourself. You you are a part of God's universe, and you have to be humble. This is a a very different kind of humility. It's a humility that says, when I buy my lulav and a trog, am I there to display them for everybody else to say, wow, look, I got the best of the best. I spent a month's salary on my drogue over here, so everybody can admire it for a week. Right? When I do my mitzvot, am I doing them as a sign of display, as a, as a way to show other people? Or do I do mitzvot with the same passion and the same zeal on my desert island, in the privacy of my own home? When I dive with a lot of kavana, do I do that in shul? Or do I do that when I'm davening by myself. 
that there's there's a humility that's demanded of us in this hatsne alechet. Um, right, that, that's the that's the that we had, I think, really means that that real, genuine humility. It's not, it's not saying I'm worthless, but it's understanding that here I am in God's presence. And what does that mean to be in God's presence? Um, so there's the combination of these three things. Um, my relationship with God, my relationship with other people, and my relationship to myself. So that's that's my second my second text, not because I can learn it a thousand times, like say for Brashit, and always come up with new things, but because it really cuts through so much of um, um, of the chaff that has been piled on in what we today we call Judaism. Um, or a life of Torah mitzvot, um, are, so much of that has been clouded by by things that should not be important, or by things that should not have anywhere near the importance that we ascribe to them. And it gets to the core of what it means to be a good person in relationship with God, to the core of what it means to be a good Jew. So th- th- this is one of those things I would put on a bumper sticker, and I hate bumper stickers, but I would put this on a bumper sticker. You know that this is this is the kind of thing I would I would have hanging in my in my office in my study on my desk. Um, this is the thing that I would put in a shul on the Aron Kodesh. This is what it means. This is what it means to be a Jew. Uh, I'll tell you a story, a quick story. Um, I learned in a yeshiva many, many years ago. Not going to mention which one. Um, it was a profound learning experience for me. And I came back to the yeshiva a few years later. Um, I came back for a few weeks to uh, to spend some time there learning and had built a brand new, beautiful Beit Midrash. The whole new building we used to be in is like this little, almost underground space as the Beit Midrash. Beautiful, beautiful building. And I looked uh, at the uh, at the inscription above the Aron Kodesh, and it said, Kiva or Panecha Because in in a light of, of God's face, he gave us a Torah of Chaim. And I went over to the Rosh Hashim and I said, you didn't have room for two more words. <laughs> I said, there was no room to finish that line. You had to cut it off before you got to that. So what what message is that Aron Kotesh trying to tell its students? Is, is, there, is the future of their lives meant to be in the Beit Midrash or the fu- future of their lives meant to fuse their lives in the Beit Midrash together with their lives in the world with other people. Give your and stop there. But, well, guess what? If there's no Havat Chesed, it's not really a Torah Chaim. It's a Torah that's divorced from Chaim. It's a Torah that's divorced from life. 
he looked at me in the face and said, you're right. He was embarrassed. He said, you're right. I don't think they ever changed it. But uh, but it, it cuts to the core of of what it really means to be living uh, to, to be living an inspired life. So I, I, I think this, this is a pasuk that I, I carry with me all the time. I don't learn it, but it's in my pocket. You know, if I had one one of these cards in my wallet to pull out to show people, if I had a, a business card, which I don't, if I had a business card, I don't think they make business cards anymore. Maybe they do. But uh, I would hand people the business card and it would say Tzvi Gramet, and I would have this this pasuk from uh, from uh, from Sefer Micha. Like your mission statement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very powerful. I really, really connect to that. And I, when you said it but just at the beginning about Ish Yashar, it's about being Yashar, but also it connects to Bereshit. Once again, I think the Nativ, um, he says Bereshit is Sefer HaYashar, and that is what Bereshit is all about, really. It's about how we are as human beings, how we behave, etc., as we discussed. And I think there's such a nice connection there um, with this Pasuk also, which is so nice. Yeah. Absolutely. So should we go into your third piece? And the third piece. So, you know, given I spend I spend much of my life really learning and teaching Tanakh. So my first my first two uh two texts were from Tanakh, and I thought it would be important to diversify a little bit. And uh and this again, this this would not work on a desert island. But again, Torah is not meant for a desert island, it's not meant for an, ast- for an astronaut living in a space station by himself. Torah is meant to be lived in this world with other people. Um, and this last one is one that I have taken as a personal um, as a, a personal challenge for my entire adult life, and especially my entire adult professional life. Professional life meaning not only in the work that I do professionally, but professional life I mean the work that I do, um, anything that I do in the public sphere. Um, and in, when I say public sphere, I even mean the public sphere of my family. So it's the public sphere of my family, of my community, of my shul, of the Jewish people, of humanity. And that is the Mishnah in Pirkei Avot in the second parak, B'makom She'ena Nashim Hishtadelihiyotish. It, it, I, I hear other people quote it all the time and they quote it wrong, right? So I'm just say, trying to say it right. That when there are no other people around, you be the person. And, uh, you know, when I think about why I decided to become a Jewish educator, and it, this was not my, my original choice of career. My father wanted me to go into his business. I broke his heart when I told him I wasn't interested. Um, and I studied computer science and had a job waiting for me in, uh, in computer science. This goes back a very, very long time when computers were the size of my house. Um, and at one point, it became very clear that, it was clear to me at least, that there are lots of people who are going to be computer scientists and um, and that, you know, they're all going to make 
maybe good contributions to their companies, to their families, maybe even some to the world. Um, but there were very few people that I, looking around, that I saw that were actually going to become Jewish educators and going to impact that way. And, and I said, that is a real need. And I just switched switched tracks. I said, I, I need to do that. There, there's something missing. And so somebody has to fill that in. And I need uh I I I need to see if I if I can be the a, a person, not the person, if I can be a person who fills that in. I felt that the world of Jewish education was a world that was missing anashim. It was missing people who understood kids who had a sense and a passion for Torah and who could combine those two things and uh, and and make it happen. I'm still working on it. That's for, you know, almost 40 years later. But, um, but so that, that's what started me on, on this career. And uh, I'll say something else. I think it's fair to say I have never competed against anybody else for a position. If I thought that the other person was better than me, I would say you should take it. It, it. it was it was that simple. Why should I get a job if I thought somebody else should could do it better? That that just seems silly. Let me do the things that I can do that others others can't do. Or let me be in the places where I can do things that others can't do. So that that sense of of having a mission, the mission wasn't defined by me. I didn't define what my, what my mission was going to be. Um, and then say, okay, everybody aside, I'm just going to blast through everybody else and make the mission come true. The mission came from what the needs were. I, I just sensed that there were needs and um and there were vacuums, and I needed to fill those vacuums. And the same thing is true in, in the different communities that I've, that I've lived in. I lived in communities. I didn't have formal positions in those communities, but there were vacuums. There was a need. There was one community I lived with, a very lovely community in the States. Um, and uh, they really needed somebody who, in a particular part of what was going on, they needed somebody who would give a share to them once a week. So I did. I gave a share once a week. Um, it, it didn't make a difference where, if there was a need, I stepped into the need. If I if I thought I was the right person, if I if I didn't think I was the right person, I told I tried to find somebody else. Said you're better than me, so you go. You should go do that. But it was it was never about um, about oh I want that job. Right. And I, I think of that truth is as an educator, um, I think it's the same thing in my classroom. If I have a student who's going to come up, and I have lots of students who are way smarter than I am. But if I have a student who's going to come with an explanation that is far better than anything I can come up with, I'm going to ask that student to do it. I have it, it with my own kids in their own lives. So, you know, I want to empower my kids. I want them to grow independent of me. I don't need. I don't want them to be dependent on me their entire lives. I think that's true for every parent. So, in a place where they can't step up, where they can't be the anashim in their own lives, 
that's when I'll step in. But, you know, the ultimate goal is for them to become their own anashim. They have to become their own people. My students have to become their own people. When students call me up years later and say, you know, can you can you tell me what to do? I say, no, I can't tell you what to do. I can reflect back to you. I can advise you, but I can't tell you what to do. Um, they, they come with an idea. I say, do you like the idea? If you like the idea, then it's yours. You're the ish. You're the person. You run with it. Whether I agree with it or not is irrelevant. You know, I get students who write me all the time. They say, I had this idea. But what do you think about it? Why do, you, why do you need what I think about it? You think it's a great idea. You're the ish. You're the person. So, so it's yours. Go, go with it. So it has become in in any any interaction that I have with other people, you know, if there's somebody else who can do it, I'm gonna step back, I'm gonna let somebody else be in the limelight, let somebody else take over. It it's it's the right thing. And the only time I will step in is if I feel like there isn't somebody else. So th- those are my three texts. They they guide me. They guide me every single day, all the time, consciously, subconsciously, whether I'm quoting them or not quoting them. Those are those are the three texts that really are at the core of of what I do, who I am, my belief. So powerful, um, really, really um, inspiring. And thank you so much for coming on today and sharing such amazing Torah with us. Okay, my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Desert Island Torah. Feel free to share our podcast with family and friends so that we can reach out to Amisra. And if you enjoyed that episode, please feel free to download and subscribe. And if you want to discuss your own Desert Island Torah, get in touch at desertislandtorah at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.